good, you're great, you're, you're mighty, you're all powerful. God, we thank you that we could celebrate Easter last week and that you gave up the right to live freely. You gave up your own will. You gave up all humanity because you loved us so much. Because you thought so much of us. Because you saw hope in a future. The God that transcends time and space. All these things about you. And yet, you gave it up because you love us. Because because that's who you are. So God, we sing to you in this place because we have so much to be thankful for. We love you. And we praise your name. i 
Savior of the world. 
this morning. Our Father and our God, we come before you. Holy is your name, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Lord, we thank you that we can come before you and we can celebrate your victory that you gave us at the cross. We celebrate your victory at the empty tomb. And we just celebrate that you are still alive. You're still working. You're moving in our lives. God, I thank you for this time that we can gather together as a church just to worship you and to lift your name up on high. And Lord, we just ask that you'll continue to be with us as we move forward through this service today to lifting Jesus up to the highest place of honor. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. This morning we're we're thrilled to have another family in our church dedicate their baby unto the Lord. Um, this morning, Rachel and Scott McHarrison are coming forward. Scott, as you see him up here on the base, can we thank God for him up on the base, huh? His, his lovely wife and their family, their younger sisters are Nora and Amelia. And then we have also this morning, they are dedicating Eloise Scott McHarrison to the Lord. Isn't this wonderful? Don't you thank God for young families that he brings to the church? And uh, I, I know this morning that you guys are not just church attenders, you are church functioning disciples of Christ, and we appreciate that. I love watching you up here play on the, in our band, and, and you serve in many other areas in the church, and we appreciate that. And uh, I know your family is uh, just loving God and growing, growing to be disciples of Christ. This morning as we come to dedicate Eloise unto the Lord, I just want to remind you what the Scripture says you know, children are an heritage from the Lord. They really are. So this is your inheritance from the Lord. He has given these wonderful children to you, and most recently, Eloise. Boy, isn't she beautiful? Look at that little bow, huh? Man, you're just adorable. And uh, this morning, I just want to just read a few verses of Scripture to you. He says in Psalm 139, For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed, uh, me, saw me when I was unformed. In your book were written every one of my days, the days that were formed for me, when yet as there were none of them. And so this morning, we just thank God for little Eloise and what God is doing in your life. And Eloise, we're going to dedicate you to the Lord here in just a moment. We're actually dedicating you all as parents to the Lord this morning because we know it's a hard job. It's not easy to raise our children to love God against the, uh, the current of our culture. So I've asked Pastor Luke to come forward, and Pastor Luke's going to share with you a gift, and he's going to dedicate your children to the Lord this, this morning. Dedicate Eloise to the Lord. Girls, you look so beautiful. And they're a little starstruck. Scott, you look good too, don't worry. But so I love this family. I've known them for a while, but they're in my life group. And guys, it's, it's a privilege to do life with you truly. And your girls are beautiful, and you guys are a beautiful family. And yeah, you look good too. Um, but I just want to share this with you. This is just a small token. I'm going to have you hold it, Scott. But uh, there are 936 marbles. And so for one from every week from when a child is born to they graduate high school, which I know is like already, but. We know you guys want to make time count. And as we walk life with you, having you guys in our life group, we want to partner with you as you raise your kids to love Jesus and, and truly. 
truly mean that. And so it is, it is, this is such a humbling privilege. It really is. And so um, I'm just going to pray over Eloise. And uh, we just want to, as a, as a church body, as a group, as a family, if you just want to lift your hand up towards the McCarrison family or just in your heart as we pray, but just as your support, because listen, it takes a church to raise a family to know Jesus. Amen. And so as we do this together, as I pray, just know this is all of us. And so if you're new with us this morning, come on, like this is how we do things here at Crossroads and we're glad you're here, but I'm going to pray. And if you lift your hand towards the McCarrison's or just in your heart, I'm going to go ahead and dedicate Eloise. God, I am so privileged to just know that we're sitting in your presence, just like that song says. Cannot run your presence. And God, to know you're here with us. And as we talk about disciples in here, we've got a family raising their kids to know you. It doesn't get any better. And as a father of four kids and, and just seeing all the different craziness and beautifulness that happens throughout all their, their lives and their personalities, God, just seeing more children born is, is humbling. And then to see a family say, hey, we believe it's so important that we want our kids to be dedicated in that not programmatic way, a process, but to say we love Jesus and we want our kids to know Jesus. And so, God, we dedicate Eloise to you. We lift up her beautiful life to you. God, just like that song says, you loved us before we were even a thought. Before Eloise was even a thought to Scott and Rachel, you loved her. You knew what she would look like. And you know what she will do. And you've you've made her to do something incredible, to change people's lives, to, to grow up, to do incredible things as much as you've created Nora and Amelia. And so, God, I dedicate her to you family to you as they raise Eloise to know you, Jesus. We're humbled to know you love us even before we were a thought. So we commit this family to you in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. As this family disciples their children, as they disciple Eloise, would you pour into them and their cups would be overflowing onto their children. We love you, Jesus. We're humbled in your name. Amen. Guys, can we just celebrate this? Can we celebrate Scott and Rachel's family? If you guys are here, would you stand so that we can recognize you? Scott and Rachel, is your family here? Yeah, can we just thank God for their family? Can we just thank God for them? Yeah, love that. Awesome. Love you guys. As they uh, they grab a seat, would you guys just say hello to those around you? It's a good day to be at Crossroads. Make sure you say that to the next person. To, to greet, I had someone share with me a couple of months ago. They said, man, why do you gotta tell us to stop? Like, I just get going. I just got to know the person next to me. Well, some of you were like, please never ask that again. <laughs> like, in, you know, introverted anonymous, right? Just let me, let me roll. But guys, we're glad that you're here. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here. And we have a few things I want to highlight. We have, that we're quickly sliding in the summer and we're excited about that. And my son has the, you know, countdown in his head and how many days left to school. 
and uh, he, you know, he's in first grade, but he's already starting, right? He's got senioritis. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> so I, I'm, I'm, I'm humbled that we're, we're doing a lot of really great things here, and, and I love that, but God's doing a more big work here. We have human hands that create programs because we're trying our best to do what we feel like God has called us to do, but regardless of all that, God's at work and he is on the move and let's lift the name of Jesus in the house tonight. Come on in the morning. Let's in the morning. Let's do this. Come on. And so one of the things I want to highlight is that we have our Mother's Day coming up. It's on, it's on Sunday. It's on the 12th. And so we're excited about celebrating our moms, right? And, and, and moms in all different situations. And so we're going to celebrate our moms. And so be here. And ladies, you're going to get something to walk away with. And I'm sure it's going to be wonderful. They've pretty much outdone themselves the last couple of years. And so I'm, I'm sure that something good is coming your way. And so we're just going to say, celebrate our moms. It's going to be a powerful weekend. So make sure you check out uh, that time with us. Um, here at Crossroads Mother's Day. And then on June 17th to the 21st, we're having our VBS. And so Vacation Bible School, yeah, I heard it. One person's excited. Guys, I'm excited and truly excited about VBS because what we do is we pack out this room, we change it around, we make it look like the theme that, that applies to that week, and we just point kids to Jesus Christ all day long. And kids are coming from our community, from our church, and so my encouragement to you is do two things. One, Sign up your kids. It's on our website right now. You can do it for free. You can do it right now if you want to because you've already checked out. You're like, Luke, I've heard this. That's great. But keep going. Register your kids online. Get signed up. It's on our website, on our front page. Also, the second thing is, is if you go into the lobby, talk to Laura. Laura wants to get you connected into a team serving during VBS. And you're saying, hey, I can't do this. I'm working. That's cool. There's things that we can do at night to set up, things that we can do to prepare. Um, even if you're just like, hey, look, I will be in prayer. It would be a privilege to have you join our team to pray for that week. Because I believe that God's going to do something powerful and he's going to save children that week and call them to himself. And we're going to see new disciples made during VBS. They also, you're going to see a donation wall come about soon. And so you're going to be able to pull donation sheets and bring in things. I actually had a guy last year. He went up to the donation wall, pulled about four or five of them off, and then turned to me and handed them to me and said, hey, everything's going to be here on Monday. I was like, whoa. He was on Amazon. And he just, he like shopped for everything and hit buy and sent it here to the church on Monday. So like, I don't know, whatever works for you, but just know that we, we, we are so appreciative of our donations here. And those go directly to VBS and serving our children and serving their families. And it's cool because I've heard stories come out of VBS where these families are saying, you know what? I'm always looking for something to plug my kids into, and this was a great opportunity. Or we've heard parents saying, I just wanted my kids to have a safe place to be, and I wanted them to hear about Jesus. They don't have that. Whatever the situation is, it's just humbling to serve them. And so that's coming up on June 17th to the 21st. Also following that on the 21st of uh, May. So we're backtracking a little bit. Uh, Al, talk to Al Finney and Hal Brining. We have our car show starting on May 21st, and that's going to be from 5 to 9 every Tuesday. Bring your kids, show up. If you don't have kids, they've out of the house, whatever the deal is. But it's a phenomenal time just to hang out, see some incredible cars. I mean, like really, really nice cars. And community loves to get involved. In fact, we had a nursing home call us this week and ask if some of the people from the car show could bring a few cars down. So we're going to bring a few cars down and love on a nursing home. Isn't that cool how God just like gives us home runs? Come on now. These are like freebies. I remember they were messaging through the website and I said, yeah, like, Let's do it. Like, that sounds awesome. And, and that's a great opportunity. So we're excited about that. And so guys, I'm, I'm, I'm truly 
expectant in what God's going to do this morning as we start a brand new series. And so I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive this morning's offering. And so one of the things we started during the last series was a campaign called Who's Your One? And so the whole point of that was to not just do more, but to be in prayer for the one person in your life that you're praying to know Jesus. And, and I know we have many, but we said focus on one. And so I'm just going to read for you some of these names. And we have about 86 names that have come in through the website or these little forms, these bookmarks, which are available at the Welcome Center. But I'm going to read some of these names. And as we're praying, would you pray for these names? These are people that we're praying for to know Jesus. So we're praying for Rich. We're praying for Dave. We're praying for Paul. Trevor. We're praying for Nadine. For Joanne. We're, playing, we're praying for Craig. Praying for Jeremy. And there's more names to come. These are recent ones. But we're praying for these names. We're praying for these people to know Jesus. And I can already tell you that we've had someone pray for their one early on. And that person came to know Jesus about three or four weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. We can get excited about that. So if you're new with us this morning, some of this stuff might be new to you. Stuff is available on our website. Please email us, contact us if there's anything we can do to help you and serve you and resource you. But guys, uh, it's a new day at Crossroads and we're excited about what he's doing. He's always on the move and it's just, it truly is humbling just to be here. It really is. I love, love you guys and love serving here with you and doing life with you. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we love you. And just like that song says, you loved us before we were even a thought. And I pray that, that rest and peace would just settle in this, this space, God, that is Everybody comes in and we're wrestling with what happened this morning, with wrestling with our weeks, that we would just be humbled to know you're with us. Your word says that uh, you inhabit the praises of your people. And when we're lifting you up through music or through prayer or reading your word, God, that you're, you're here with us. You're always with us. And so, Jesus, we make you the priority. And we just want to walk with you. We just want to hear from you. We just want to know. We just want to see you move. And so, God, we know that a lot of that um, can be pushed back by fear, but we know that you called your son to the cross and that your son, Jesus Christ, defeated death on the cross and showed perfect love. And we know that perfect love casts out all fear. Fear does not have a place when Jesus' name is lifted up. Fear does not have a foothold on us when we lift the name of Jesus and we proclaim his power. And so I proclaim the, now, the power of Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would just be blown away by who you are this morning. God, we love you. And we are excited about what you're going to do this morning. We ask all things in Jesus' name.
morning we get to start a new series entitled Disciple, Be One, Make One. You know, we're coming off of Easter, and last week was such an incredible weekend here at Crossroads. Um, It was an incredible weekend everywhere. Do you realize that last weekend, 2.3 billion people celebrated that Jesus rose from the dead? Can we thank God for that this morning, huh? How, How wonderful is that? And, uh, and today we gather as we continue. You know, that's the, the reason that we come together every week is because Jesus rose from the dead. If we don't have that message, we don't have anything. There's no reason to, to further the movement of Jesus if Jesus had not risen from the dead. So I want to ask you this morning, um, you know, last week we talked about the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And my question as we begin to talk about disciple is, have you tapped into that power? Uh, ha, has there been a difference? What, what is the difference between you and your neighbor? If the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, what is the difference between you and the person who doesn't have it? Is there a difference? Maybe your life, maybe you would say, my life just doesn't deal with that. I don't, I don't, I don't see much of a difference. Well, then maybe you're not tapped into that power. Maybe that same power that rose Jesus from the dead has just become some dormant knowledge to you. Maybe it's just become something that you have made a mental assent to and not something that has really changed your life. Do you know the difference, how you'll find the difference? The difference will come in how you deal with disappointments. I have found that it's easy to, uh, to say that things are going good when things are going good, right? But when things are going bad, it is really hard to put my faith into practice. It is really hard when I'm facing disappointment, discouragement, and all of these issues that can just pull us down. And when things are not going according to my plan is whenever I typically want to throw in the towel. And so it is that moment, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is going to be able to help us at that moment when you're facing disappointment, discouragement, conflict, uh, all these type of things that you have to deal with in life that are not fun, when you get into those realms, that is where the same power that rose Jesus from the grave should be really evident. But I think as, uh, as many people uh, would say that they probably don't have that in their life. Many people just haven't let this power of God transform them. And so Jesus has a plan for your life. And that plan is not your plan. And, and, and so as we come to understand what it means to become a disciple, this morning I want you to think about the fulfillment that Jesus gives for your life. He has called us. He's give, he has the plan, and with his plan comes fulfillment. When we're trying to get fulfillment of our own life is where the problem comes from. You see, Jesus didn't come to this earth just so that you would have a better life. And I think many people come to Jesus like that. This is how they come to Jesus, and they say, well, I'll, be, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go to church as long as it benefits me. As long as something happens and I feel much better about life and, and my marriage gets better and my family gets better and my job gets better. Well, let me share this with you. Being a disciple of Jesus is a better life, but that's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to make your plans better. He didn't come so that you could look at your life and so that you could say, God, here's my life. Please bless my life. This is my direction. This is what I'm doing. I want you to do something in my life. God has came not to make your life better. He had come so that he could make dead people alive. So that means we are out here. We're walking in darkness. We're walking in our sin. We are dead, spiritually dead. And Jesus has come not so that you could have a better life, but so that you could be alive 
so that you can have life that starts now and goes into eternity. And many people look at their, at their spirituality as something that happens after they die. Jesus comes to give us fulfillment. He's come to give something bigger in life. You're holding on to your dreams. You're holding on to your mission, to your vision, to your passion. And God says, listen, I want you to let go of your mission. I want you to let go of your passion, what you think will make you happy, and allow me. I want you to follow me. And as you do that, all of a sudden, God gives you fulfillment. And the fulfillment comes when you are his disciple, not whenever you're trying to fit him into your plan. And so... After Jesus rose from the dead, he was seen to more than 500 eyewitnesses. More than 500 people had saw him. They talked to him. They shook his hand. They they touched the nail prints in his hands. uh, One passage, I I love that. I was reading it. It says that they sat and they had broiled fish with them. And I'm thinking, how cool is that? Broiled fish with Jesus after he rose from the dead. So this was literally, this man rose from the dead. And he has come and he has given us this mission. The first thought in your notes this morning is that Jesus gave the mission to make disciples. This was Jesus who come and gave the mission. This was not Peter, James, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke. None of these people gave the mission. Jesus come and gave the mission. And what he did was before he left, he had gathered his disciples. And over in Matthew 28, verse 16, says that the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to this mountain that Jesus had called them to. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So Jesus is calling his disciples. Uh, He makes mention of the 11 disciples that come. Because remember, there were 12. Jesus called 12 disciples, and one of them didn't make it, right? One of them, Judas, betrays Jesus. He goes out and he hangs himself. And and so even Jesus, he's making disciples, and one of them turns and, and is a traitor on him. The 11 disciples now, we see this after Jesus rises from the dead. Matthew records for us that the 11 disciples, and there were more than 11 because what he was talking about, the 11 showed up, but also there was the disciples that were known in the groups of 70, the disciples of 120, then we see 500 eyewitnesses. So there were many disciples gathered this day, and he is about ready to say something to them, and he's winding down his time. He's going to be ascending into heaven shortly. And so he gives them the mission right here. But even in that moment of worship, some are like, I'm not sure I want to do this. I'm not sure I really... Now listen, this was Jesus who rose from the dead. And some are like, I, I'm not sure. And it says that some doubted. And Jesus always worked with the doubters. I want you to know that this morning. Jesus will always work with the skeptics. And if that's you this morning, you're a skeptic, it's all right. Jesus will continue to work with you. And and I'm convinced the more you investigate the claims of Jesus, the less of a doubter that you will become. Because all of a sudden, once you understand that this is real, this was the man who rose from the dead, and we have more eyewitness proof, it's just exciting what God has given to us here. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus comes to them, and he speaks to them now on this mountain, and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So he's telling them, look, I have all the authority. God has given me the authority. He has the power. All power has been invested into him. So if you, he said quite often, if you had seen the, Jesus, you had seen the Father. So when he's talking now, he's saying, look, I'm pulling the authority. I want you to understand, this is God the Father has commissioned me to commission you. I have complete authority. I have risen from the dead. There's nothing else that I can't, you know, there's, you have a question, anything that I can't do, I think I just about proved everything that I can do to you, right? So he says, I've risen from the dead. I have complete authority, and I'm going to give you the mission. 
Go, verse 19, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And so as he gives this mission, it's a powerful mission that he's given to us. And the only verb that's in there, you know, a lot of times we see this word go, and everybody, and I remember when I was younger, we used to have missions, conferences, and things like that. We'd say, the, the, the command is to go. Well, the command is not to go. It's really written in the Greek to say it like this, as you're going. It says, as you're going, the verb is make disciples. As you're going, make disciples. Go out into this world as you're going to work on Monday make disciples. He was given them a, a, a broad mission. He says, make disciples of all nations. He was saying that this should be a global movement. This should be spread out everywhere, but the command is to make disciples. And as you're going, make disciples. So I want to encourage you. For us, the command is to make disciples as you go to work tomorrow morning. I want you to think of that. God give you a job. He's blessed you. You're getting a great income. And you go, and God has you there for a much deeper purpose than to make that income, but to make disciples. The income's kind of great. You got to have that, right? But he says, I have put you there to make disciples. And you got, uh, you high school students, you're, you're playing sports, or you're doing what you love for recreation. God has placed you there not to be successful, but to make disciples. I hope you're successful. I hope you win as many games as possible. I always hated going and watching the kids lose a game. It was a terrible night, right? But the bigger point of life is to make a disciple. And so for, for me as dad going to watch those games, I see that my life calling was to make a disciple, not to be the parent that fought for my kid. Wow. Not to be the parent that said, hey, my kid should get more time on the court, right? And that's where, see, this is where the struggle of making and being a disciple comes. Because if Jesus was all, if this was all about making disciples, sometimes your rights get surrendered. Sometimes who you are, you, you, you lose battles in your mind. You think you're losing the battle. But God has called you to make a disciple. And, and he goes on, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You could say, as you're baptizing, make disciples. Uh, Folks, I want to encourage you here this morning. If you have come to know Jesus recently, and we have had many people in our services over this past year have trusted Jesus, can we thank God for that this morning? Just thank him, man. The the next step for you, the very next thing for you to do is to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we do here. We have behind, uh, in that little gap in the wall there, there's a, there's a tank back there, and it's, uh, I, always call, I always tell people it's like a jacuzzi. I think we heat it to about 85-degree water, and the water's about waist high, and we will have people come, and they will share their story on the screen, or sometimes they don't share their story, but they are publicly professing Jesus, and what we do is we say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, just like the Scripture says, buried in the likeness of Christ's death, and will take their head and dip it under the water. And you say, well, why do we do it like that? The word baptize is a Greek word that says it's baptizo, and it means to immerse. So that's why we take and we immerse the person under the water. Why don't we do that for babies? I'll tell you why we don't do that for babies, because a baby is not yet ready to trust Christ. They, they, don't, they can't even talk, right? 
we wait until you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then we baptize you. It's a public profession. It's an outward sign of an inward decision. This morning, you saw a baby dedication. We dedicate babies, and we're saying, Lord, we pray that one day little Eloise will come to know Christ, and that's why we do that here, because her parents are going to teach her, and her parents are going to make a disciple out of Eloise. Can we thank God for good families like that this morning? Yeah. I have a feeling she might be a bass player in there, too. I don't know. All right, so. But, uh, but I, I want you to catch this because baptism is an outward sign for somebody that has made an inward decision. And so we see in the Bible people didn't wait to get baptized. Um, you, you see people that get baptized and immediately, uh, people that trusted Christ and then immediately got baptized. I want to encourage you, the next step, if you have recently trusted Christ or you have never been baptized, The next step is to get baptized. So what I want you to do, this is the response. I want you to respond to this. and Stop by the Welcome Center on your way out. Uh, Write your name on the paper. There's a card in the back of the pew there. You can find, I don't care what the card says, give us your name. And say, I'm ready to get baptized. And we will follow up and we will line up a day for you to get baptized. Why? Because it is so important. This was the mission of Jesus, for you to be a disciple, not a churchgoer. What? Did the pastor just say our mission is not church going? Yeah. God didn't call us to build churches. He called us to make disciples, and he said he'll build his church. Now, as you've been watching, the church has been growing pretty excitingly. Why? Because we're making disciples, and he's building his church. Once again, what a great God we serve. Amen? Because he is doing this. This is his movement. This isn't a Pastor Ken movement. This isn't the whatever is going on around the church movement. This is Jesus. And he left us with this mission 2,000 years ago when he was winding up his earthly ministry. He had risen from the dead. He's been seen for 40 days. And soon he's going to ascend into heaven. And he says, go make disciples. And I want to encourage you, if you are ready to get baptized, I don't know what would hold you back from getting baptized. There's nothing. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, the next thing you do is get baptized. So I want to pray for you today that you will make that decision and you'll say, all right, I'm going to follow Jesus. It's, it's obedience. He says, and then teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. That's what we do here. Every week when we gather, we talk about the things that Jesus commanded. Now, as you look at this, what were Jesus' commands? Was it the Old Testament? Was it the Ten Commandments? Was it all the law, don't walk on the grass on the Sabbath? Here, Jesus summed it up like this. He said, love God and love others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so this takes a life to be developed in that area. I am still growing in that area. I'm still asking God, challenge me, grow me, change my heart, Lord, in so many of these areas because sometimes I think I'm pretty good at loving you. But, Lord, I really struggle with loving people. And I think everybody does, don't we? You know what? We we struggle with loving people um, whenever people are acting like people. (laughs) But whenever they act like saints, we have no problem, right? When they're very kind to you, you love it. But when somebody crosses you, you're like, right? And God says, listen, I'm teaching you. As you're being a disciple, love God and love your neighbor who you don't like. Love him as yourself. Oh my goodness, this is so deep. And so this is the life that God's called us to. But what is a disciple? He says, make a disciple. But what is a disciple? If it's not a churchgoer, what is a disciple? A disciple is a student 
or a follower. And if you think about this, we have this issue with being a student. We, uh, we're Western culture. We have this understanding. If I go in and I take the test and I tell you, Jesus rose from the grave, 40 days, he saw 500 eyewitnesses, and I've got all the facts right, okay? We think that that is being a student. Well, that's one form of being a student. That's only part of it. And sadly, our Western culture has made that the pinnacle. That is not the pinnacle. When Jesus was calling his disciples to be his students, they were his apprentices. You know, I took a written test. Do you remember back in the day when you called it the written test for your driver's license? Do you remember that? I don't know. I think it's a digital test now, right? But it was a written test, and I went out, and I took the written test, and I was so happy because I passed the written test at 16 years of age. And then I had to go back and take the driver's test. So I go back, and I take the driver's test. I'm thinking, well, this should be fine. I passed the written test. What else is there to know about driving? So I go out, I take the, uh, take the, take the test, and as I'm taking the test, I pull in and park and, you know, pull up to the curb and park, and the officer opens the door, closes the door and says, you failed, let's go back. I'm like, really? I passed the written test. He goes, well, how close are you supposed to be? Within 12 inches. He goes, I looked, and you're about 18 inches away from the curb. I was like, well, la-di-da, you know? And back I went because I didn't really know how to drive. So I go out a second time, you know, and you're all nervous. So this time I'm like, man, I failed once. you got to really be a good driver now, right? And I, and I passed the written test. I studied. I knew the written test real well. So I get out there, and I go through, and there's a blinking light. And I'm colorblind. And it's a blinking red light. And a colorblind person thinks it's a blinking yellow light because you've never seen a blinking red light by itself before. And he looks at me and goes, you just ran a red light. He goes, you have failed the test. I was like, but sir, I'm colorblind. He goes, but sir, you failed the test, okay? Why? Because you didn't, be, you didn't really know how to drive. So I go out for the third time. And man, I was some driver, I'll tell you, you know? And if you drive in the car with me, you say, maybe you should take that test again, you know? Uh, I have this app now. It tells me how many late breaks I do. That is really humbling at the end of the day and see that you made seven late breaks from here to my house in Finleyville behind the Derrick Wayne, right? It's just like, wow, okay? But I, w- I want you to catch this. What is a disciple? It's a student. Uh, a rabbi in that day, a rabbi would go and call his students. He would call the people that he wanted to be his followers. And in a very real sense of being a student, I want you to think apprentice, because apprentice learns the trade. He is calling people to be his followers and not just, yeah, I go to church, I follow. You know, I follow you on Facebook. Oh, please, all right? This was like, he's calling you to be his follower. That means to be with him to learn from him, to get his actions, to get his attitude, to get his heart. So when Jesus came and he called his people, he called his disciples, they were coming to learn because any rabbi, all the rabbis had their little groups and their rabbis had their disciples. And Jesus goes and he says over in Luke 640, he said that a disciple will not be greater than his master, but when he is fully taught, he will be like his master. So the question I want to ask you today is not, do you know the knowledge of Christianity, but do you know the master? Do you, are you a disciple? Do you spend time with him and are you becoming more like Christ? 
I remember as a kid, we used to sing a song around here. It uh, was called, I Am a C. Do you remember that song? I am a C. I am a C-H. I am a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N. And I have C-H-R-I-S-T in my H-E-A-R-T and I will L-I-V-E-E-T-R-N-A-L-Y. I am a C, right? And we go on and on and on. Just one problem. The word Christian is only in the Bible three times. The word disciple and discipleship is 276 times. And I've never sang, I am a D. I am a D-I. I am a D-I. I can't even spell it, right? I just, I just have never sung that before, right? Jesus was teaching us. He says, I want you to be my disciple. I want you to walk with me. I have made a few disciples in my life. And as we go through this course, uh, this course, as we go through this series, I want to share with you, A, how to be a disciple, and B, how to make a disciple. There are disciples that I've made, and, and one of them I was just with this week. And I'll tell you what, I look over and I see how he acts and how he talks and even the kind of food he eats. He's like me. It's amazing. And I saw he also had one of his disciples, and the three of us were together, and I saw this little part of me that I imparted to this other fella, and this fella took and imparted to this next fella, and these guys are all out making more new disciples. And you know what? We come back. It wasn't a 12-week course that we did. 12-week courses are great. We're going to do them in our church. But that is not the end. That is kind of like the jump starter. It's like putting jumper cables on a battery. We get it going, right? That's what a 12-week course is like. And so, because a disciple is a lifelong process. And it's not information. It's transformation. So I want to invite you to be a disciple of Jesus, to be transformed, and to understand when Jesus taught. Listen, how did he taught? He taught this. He said, when you call on God, you call him Father. And when you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He, he gave you this intimate relationship with God. That was never given before. Jesus was revolutionary when he said, pray to God and call him Father. Um, when Jesus came and he said that I am the vine and you are the branches, he talked about being connected See, that's a big difference from being a churchgoer. A churchgoer, you can come, you can get information, and you can disconnect all week long and come back to church and get more information. Jesus says, I want you to be connected. I want you to be so connected that the Father produces fruit through you. Uh, He's commanded us to be connected because he will produce the fruit. The fruit comes. And listen, the purpose of a branch is to let the vine the, the main vine produces fruit through the branch. The branch can't do it on its own. So he says, be connected. Uh, he says, you are the sheep. I am the shepherd. And you will know my name. The sheep know my name. And so he kept giving this extremely relational understanding of discipleship. And I want you to catch that this morning because he has given an invitation to everyone. It was a relational invitation, and the invitation to be a disciple is extended to everyone. Everyone here this morning can be a disciple. And furthermore, your neighbor that you don't like can be a disciple. Your neighbor, the person, you know, did you ever say, oh, I could never, that guy would never come to church. And you don't even ask him because you think he wouldn't have an interest, right? Or that person, listen, God says that, Every person, there's not one person that is not eligible to be a disciple. Do you see how much God loves us? 
Uh, over in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, Matthew records for us how he became a disciple. So Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, I want you to catch this because he's sitting at the tax collector's booth because he's a tax collector, and he's hated by the Jewish people. Matthew is a Jewish person, and he's working to collect taxes for Rome. And how it worked was uh, Israel was under the Roman occupation. So under this Roman occupation, here's Matthew, the tax collector. He is working for another Roman citizen. Rome would come and they would say, hey, you know, in our providences, we need to collect tax. And if we get this much, we're pretty happy. So they would sell that right to get the tax. So a a rich Roman citizen would come in and pay for that right to collect tax of a particular providence. So this Roman citizen who was a rich person now comes into the Jewish area and he says, hey, I'm hiring tax collectors. So he would hire locals. And he would hire Jewish people to collect the Roman tax. But just one problem. It was a trader's job. Um, you know what? There, there, we, nobody likes to pay taxes today, right? Um, there's a tax. There was a tax for everything. It reminds me very much of how we are today. Just a tax on top of a tax on top of a tax. And, you know, today when you, have a, you go to pay tax and you give it to the tax collector, you don't particularly not like the tax collector. You just don't like paying tax. In those days, they did not like the tax collector. Why? Because they were traitors on Israel. And they were, they, were, they were known as the lowlife. They were known as scum because they had, they were known as despicable because they had traded out and making more profit for themselves. Not only that, now if the, if the tax was $10, I could come and charge you $20. As long as I gave to Rome the $10, it didn't matter how much I charged you. So today the tax could be 20, tomorrow could be 30, tomorrow could be 15. As long as I got 10 out of you and I made my profit. So what tax collectors would do is they would come and they would rob people. These were like the people at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of society. And everybody hated the tax collectors. Um, And so today, I want you to understand that it was an extremely lucrative job. And as long as they gave, as long as they got their tax, they could do it. And Jesus goes up to him and look what Jesus says. Jesus says, follow me. What? Jesus, this, imagine the, the followers that were with Jesus already. You just went over to a tax collector. This guy is the bottom. He, he is, he's betraying Israel. He is known as unclean. Those people, tax collectors, could not even go into worship. It was like these people were the outcast of society. And Jesus goes over and says, will you follow me? Follow me. Come and follow me. He doesn't come to him. Now, could you imagine of all the things that he could have said? He doesn't come and say, "Um, Matthew, you've really made a mess out of your life. He doesn't come and say, Matthew, you had better straighten up. He doesn't say, Matthew, you've heard of the Ten Commandments, haven't you? Thou shalt not steal. Don't you think you ought to clean up your act and then follow me? No, he goes to him and he says, follow me. And look how Matthew responds. Matthew responds, and then he followed him. Matthew got up and followed him. And this was the beginning of his relationship with the master. And this was how God called him. He says, follow me. He didn't say, hey, clean up your act. He says, follow me. And so here's what happens in discipleship. When you're a disciple and you come and you hang out with the master, you become more like the master. 
And on that day, whenever he, whenever Matthew left, he started to follow. I want you to catch this because Matthew was in a despicable place in life and God loved him. And God said, I want you to follow me. And when he told him to follow, his life changed because he did, Jesus cared enough not to leave him in that tax booth. He cared enough not to leave him robbing and stealing people. Why? There's a way that seems right unto a man, and in the end it leads to destruction. This is where Matthew was. Matthew is out here. He's living in the dark. He is just, he's doing what he thinks is right. He's making as much as he possibly can. He is, uh, he, he's cheating people to do it, but he's happy. And he was not looking for the master. And Jesus comes to him and sees him in this despicable condition. And he says, follow me. Do you know what had to happen? Matthew was going this route. Jesus had a message. And he hadn't said this. If you look earlier in the book of Matthew, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And here's what Matthew did. Matthew followed. He left this stuff over here. Jesus didn't tell him, leave this stuff over here. He says, follow me. And when he did, all these things didn't matter anymore. And he goes, I don't really know who you are. I don't know what you're about. But I'll tell you what. I want to follow this guy. And he starts to follow him, and his life is transformed. And so Jesus didn't come to him and say, if you do this, then I'll do that. Jesus said, follow me you will become like me. And I want to ask you this morning, are you following Jesus? And that's the question that we all need to ask. Am I following Jesus this morning? Do you follow him or are you just a churchgoer? Is it just something that's in your head that you know all the information? Because listen, I have been given information since I've been five years old. But I'll tell you what, I am a follower and there's attitudes that are still changing this week. There's attitudes that are changing this month. There's attitudes that have changed since January. And God is transforming me. Why? Because I'm with my master. And, w- and that's the call for you this morning is to follow Jesus, not to know the right answer. Do you see the difference? There's knowing the right answer and not being transformed. But there is being transformed because you've been with him in his presence. Are you following Jesus? Verse 10, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house... Now, that, that one a step further. The, the disciples are like, wait a minute. Not only did you call us, uh, not only did you call a despicable person that we would never invite into our group, now you're going to take us to your house. You're going to go to his house. And that's exactly what, what, what Jesus did. That was how Jesus worked. Zacchaeus, you remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man? And the wee little man was he? For he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. You remember Zacchaeus? And Jesus stops and he says, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. That's how Jesus operated. He wasn't afraid of their reputation. He wasn't afraid of despicable people. He says, I'm going to hang out with you, Jesus. And and, and look, look what he says. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. There were many. There were there this is this was their only friends. They didn't have any other friends. It was the tax collectors. And other sinners. Now, isn't it kind of interesting that Matthew notes tax collectors and sinners? Like, aren't we all sinners, right? We're all sinners. We've all had this opportunity to be saved by God's grace. This passage of saying there were the tax collectors, then there were other sinners, other despicable people. These were all the outcasts. 
These were all the people that the religious people wouldn't hang out with. These were all the people that thought they had it so good. These were the people that, that, that were just, they, they've been outcast because the religious people were saying, you don't live up to my standard. I can't be with you. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus goes to them and he says, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed. And then the, then the religious leaders, look what they're doing. They're swarming outside the house. And the religious leaders, the next verse says that Jesus, Jesus hears them. He overhears them. And they come to, come to his disciples and they said, why is he eating with these people? The Pharisees saw this and they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You know what they were saying? They were saying, you know what? We know God. We know the law. We would never hang out with people who've broken God's law because we're so, we've got it together. And they made this issue that they would never do that. So they didn't understand why their rabbi, why did their teacher go hang out with sinners and despicable people? Why? What about his reputation? Jesus wasn't worried about his reputation. He was still God. Your sin doesn't make God any less. Can you, can you thank God for that this morning? Your sin doesn't make God any less God. But I'll tell you this. He didn't leave Matthew in the tax collector's booth. He didn't. He saved him. He, he says, follow me. And that day, he, he, he made this move. He, he repented and turned to God. And he said, I'm going to be a follower of you, God. And so Matthew's attitude started to change. Could you imagine Matthew, the tax collector, he's following Jesus, and, and there's a way that you could have robbed somebody. You could have just charged a little bit more or done this or whatever. And, and, and that, that had to change. That had to change. And, and, and so Matthew still had despicable friends. And God wasn't afraid to eat lunch with them. And he, and he hung out with them and he brought them to himself. And he extends the invitation to them. On hearing this, Jesus said, now look how Jesus replies. On hearing this, Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Here's Matthew, just come to Jesus. He's at Matthew's party. He hears the swarm of, of Pharisees out there. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Matthew overhears him and is like, you just called me sick. You came for me, I'm sick, right? You called Peter sick. You called John sick. We're all sick. What, what, what's this all about? And so here's what was happening. There was humility. A sick person knows when they're sick. You see, the Pharisees, they were sick, but they had no clue about it. They, they, they were covered up with their own self-righteousness. They had no clue that they were just as sick, if not more sick, than the tax collectors and the despicable people. As a matter of fact, this morning, I want you to think about this. That, uh, that He says, it's not the healthy who need the sick, but the doctor. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And he's quoting from Hosea 6, 6. He's thrown it in their face. He says, you go and study the Bible. God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. In other words, I'm not desiring all your good and all your judgmentalness. I'm desiring that you understand the mercy of God. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that's what Jesus did. And you know what the message of the Pharisees that day was? The message of the Pharisees was you clean up your act and you can hang out with us. If you will clean up your act, you'll hang out with us. But you know what the message of Jesus was? You hang out with me and I'll clean you up. Do you see the difference? 
You don't have to clean anything up to be with Jesus. When you're with the master, you're going to catch his attitudes. You're going to catch his heart. It's going to change how you forgive somebody. It's going to change how you hold a grudge. It's going to change how you want to rob, steal, kill, destroy. It's going to change all of that. But you can't do it. See, the Pharisees, they were good at what they could do. And it was empty. Jesus called them whited sepulchers. They were whited walls. In other words, what that meant was you look good on the outside, but you're rotten to the core. And that's exactly what they were. And they would never hang out with people that look bad on the outside. And God says, I'll take the person who looks bad on the outside. You come and follow me, and I'll change you. And I'll start with your heart, and I'll transform your heart. So this morning, I want to invite you to to come and be with Jesus. You know, it was the kindness of God. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his love towards us. He demonstrated his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was the kindness of God that will lead you to repentance this morning. Not the fear, but the kindness, the mercy, what he did on the cross will lead you to repentance this morning. So as we begin this journey to understand what a disciple is, a disciple is a follower of Jesus, not a churchgoer. I think church going is a, a pretty good, important part of it, but it's not the end. Uh, he, he's called you to be a disciple, to, to get in his presence. So I want to encourage you tomorrow morning before you start your day, get in his presence and just talk to him. Say, Lord, here's my mind. Here's my hands. Here's my, my mouth. Lead me today. Could you imagine if you gave God the authority to lead you at nine o'clock tomorrow morning in your job? And then at noon, when you're praying and you're praying over your lunch and you're hoping nobody saw you pray, right? Like, dear Lord, thank you for this, right? When you're praying with your eyes open because you're afraid that anybody will know you're praying and you say, God, point me to somebody who needs lunch. Point me to somebody who needs Jesus over lunch. God, what do you want me to do with this free hour I have? I'm out of that office. Who do you want me to say hi to? Who do you want me to touch for your kingdom? Could you imagine what God could do? And if we could just make one disciple, if everybody in this church makes one disciple in this next year, and then the next year we all make one more disciple, it's incredible what God's going to do. So as we go on this journey, fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be exciting because, number one, your life is going to be transformed. You will not have to conform. Oh, thank God we're not about conformity. We're about transforming. God will do it. You may be holding on to your tax booth today. You may be saying, this is the only way I know. And God says, follow me. Follow me. And when you follow him, you're going to put it down. You you don't even know it. Because Jesus didn't say, put down your tax booth. He says, follow me. And when he did, he turned around. And his whole life was changed. And I invite you to that changed life with Jesus. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I invite you to Jesus. If you'd like to be a disciple, it starts by relationship with him. It's not rules. It's not regulations. It's relationship. And I want to invite you to be his disciple. He said, make disciples of every nation, all people, all nationalities, every tribe, every tongue. Make a disciple. This morning I ask you to call upon Jesus. If you'd like to start to be a disciple, it's got to start with trusting him. So this morning, would you pray something like this, if that's you? Just call on him and say, Dear Jesus, I need you. I want to follow you. But I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. 
And I know that you died on that cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again so that I might have eternal life. God, I invite you into my life right here, right now. The invitation is to everybody, everybody, whosoever will, shall call upon the name of the Lord. God, we thank you today. Lord, I am confident that in this room, several people have just become disciples of you. Several people have just told you in prayer, Lord, I want to be your follower. I trust you with my life. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. God, I pray for the transformation that's going to be taking place in the next months. I pray for that person in here that just opened their heart to you. For those folks, Lord, I pray that you'll transform them by the power of God. And Lord, for those of us that have been following you for some time, but maybe we've been tripped up on religion and rules and regulations and and knowledge and, and all these good things. But Lord, we've missed the heartbeat that you would transform our actions, our attitudes, how we forgive, how we love. Lord, transform us from the inside out as only you can do. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, folks, let's stand together and greet each other. You are dismissed.